Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap in this place. Give our worship team a hand clap. Excellent. It is good to be back in the house called Grace Valley. I'm honored to be home today. Last week we were away speaking, and so it is good to be back here at our home church at Grace Valley. Uh, we want to welcome you, those of you who are online with us today, and thank you for being here. I want to dive right into the Word of God. As Pastor Curtis said, we have been uh, dabbing into and diving into the book of Acts, and we have had some great revelations and some incredible times, some wonderful sermons from there that has challenged us as a body of believers. I believe that God put this on Pastor Hart's Kurt, that uh, Pastor Kurt's heart, that we as a body would walk through the book of Acts for a reason. That it was not just something we came up with, but we pray about these things. I know he prays about these things. We were praying about some of these things together and bouncing them off of just the spirit and trying to see where God was leading us as a body this year. And God chose this direction for us for a reason. And I believe you can see what God is doing in the midst of our body here. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 60, and then Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, we will continue to uh, take our journey in the book of Acts. We are looking at the life of Stephen, and today's sermon is simply entitled, Stoning Stephen. You should have clapped right there. Go ahead. Go ahead. They said, why are we clapping about that? You will find out in a minute. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen had just got, he just finished preaching his guts out to the Sanhedrin. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. And while they were stoning him, Saul, uh, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 says, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. In other words, he was destroying families. Father God, we thank you for your word. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you that it does not come back void. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Stephen was the bridge. He was the bridge between Peter and Pentecost. He was the bridge between a move of God. When we look at Scripture, we see Jesus, we see Peter, we see Stephen, we see Paul. In other words, if I was to rewind that and bring that back, we see death. Jesus died for the sins of mankind. Peter was sat on, set on fire once that happened. We see Stephen who dies. And then Paul or Saul who is set on fire for the things of God because of that death as well. You see a rhythm to the kingdom of God. Used to be a song called the rhythm of life. You see it right here. Death, fire, death, 
fire. God is constantly looking for people slash coals who are willing to be ignited and set ablaze for him. Amen. The question is, are you willing to be set ablaze for God in your generation? There must be a death to self before you can be on fire for God. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 tells us this, that the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth, that he's looking, the eyes of the Lord are roaming back and forth throughout the earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, looking to set ablaze some other Stevens on planet earth. Are there any other Stevens in the room? Here's what I say. If the eyes of God are roaming back and forth throughout the earth, may those eyes stop here this morning. May those eyes find who and what they're looking for here in this place this morning. May those eyes stare and gaze in this place this morning. See, sometimes the eyes of the Lord stop because they see Stephen, and sometimes they stop because they see Saul. Now let me explain that to you. In other words, sometimes the eyes of the Lord stop because they see who and what you already are like Stephen, who was already a man of God. And sometimes those eyes stop because of who and what they see you are going to be, Saul, who will soon be God's eyes are looking and searching, and he's ready to set you ablaze. Stephen was the first martyr. But he would not be the last one. He was the first of many. It would be his faith that would ignite many others to take a stand and be willing to lay down their lives and follow after Christ. You see, it was Stephen's martyr. It was him dying there that began to change the life of Saul, who we later know as Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. It was Stephen's martyr that caused Paul himself to be stoned at one point in time in his life. And yet after he had been stoned, he stood back up and walked back into the city and started preaching Jesus again. This is who God is looking for. People with no fear, people with no quit, people who won't give up, people who are not so concerned about their life, they're more concerned about the gospel and presenting the life of Christ. Stone me if you will, I'm walking back in. This is who God is looking for. Becoming a martyr is a mindset. You see, Stephen understood this. You guys think you're killing me. I was dead when I said yes to Jesus. I take all your power away. I was gone when I said yes to Jesus. I was gone when I decided to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. I was already gone. Being a martyr is not just an action of of just physically dying. It is an attitude that, that says, not woe is me, but your attitude is, wow, God, you chose me? You chose me to live this life and this day and age and and to walk out the truth. It is a mindset that says, why me, God? It is an attitude that says, man, he chose me. Listen, it is a difficult thing to die for Christ. 
if you are not willing to live for Christ. If you can't live for Christ, you will never die for Christ. You're trying to shoot three-pointers when you're struggling with layups. Get, get the layups down. This is what I teach my, 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 my son and my daughter, Diamond. They're 10 and they're learning basketball. They want to be Steph Curry. They want to shoot three-pointers. No, get the layups down. How are you living? You'll never die for somebody that you will not live for. God wants you to know that he wants you to live for him. What I realize is that we can all relate to Stephen because we have all been stoned at some point in time in our life. Wait a minute, let me say that differently. <laughs> let me say that. That it's all right, Pastor Novi did it. Yeah, they didn't catch it. That's okay. <laughs> I'm glad they did. All right. We can all relate to Stephen because we have had all stones thrown at us at some point in life. Let me say it that way. Jim Nichols was like, what did he say? <laughs> in verse 54 of Scripture, the members of the Sanhedrin, they choose rage instead of submission. Stephen preached truth, and they got angry instead of deciding to submit. Let me ask you, when you hear truth, what do you decide to do? Do you receive it or do you get angry? Because in the world we live in right now, where there is truth, there is typically anger and rage. The world chooses rage and sadly to say the church has chosen to be silent. Verse 55 tells us, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, stood up, and he stood his ground in Christ. Let me ask you this morning, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Or have you allowed yourself to become full of fear, full of doubt, full of unbelief? There are many things that the enemy wants to place in our lives. And I declare that this morning, fear does not live here anymore. Doubt does not live here anymore. Unbelief does not live here anymore, but faith lives here now. Last week, Pastor Kurt, go ahead, clap. Faith lives here. Last week, Pastor Kurt would have hit this point with you guys, that Stephen, as he was preaching, the St. Hydra looked out and they saw the face of an angel. He had the face of an angel. And what does that mean? This guy's full of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that he had a face that he was just happy to be stoned. It doesn't mean that he was looking at them like this. I'm so humble. No. It means direction. Angels directed. Scripture tells us that they're around the throne swinging their way, their, the wings saying, holy, holy, holy. It means direction. It means demeanor, a demeanor that says, God, I am focused on you. It means they have dove's eyes, which simply means this, that a dove does not see. It does not have peripheral vision. It can only see what's in front of it. 
Do not be distracted by the things to the left and the right of you, men and women of God. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. Imagine this. Bring, bring, bring me that, that, that bag, that brick right there. Bring me that. Come on, Destiny, bring me that. It's my daughter, Desi. She's awesome. Thank you. Just glad you didn't throw it up here. Thank you. <laughs> you find out daddy, daddy don't catch like he used to. You know, this could get ugly, okay? Imagine. They're stoning this man. And the Bible says Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God while being stoned. In their anger or offense, the Sanhedrin, the people, did not see the glory of God, but Stephen could. How is that possible? They're all standing there. He looks up. He sees the glory of God. They don't see this. And guess what? When we are offended, we don't see it either. You will never see the glory of God bickering, arguing, fighting, divided, offended. You won't see it. It will block out what you can see and block out the move of God. Offenses close your heart and your eyes to the glory. The, in, the, in the Old Testament, the word glory means kabod. It, the kabod of God, the glory of God. You see, we pray for revival. And, when, and then we retreat from its very foundation, which is love. Do you love the person to your left? Do you love the people to your right? Do you love people who don't even look like you? Because at this point in time in history, that would seem to be a superpower if you can do that. That's how crazy this world has gotten. That if you can love somebody who doesn't think like you, look like you, that you might be a hero in this day and age. I want to show you this picture of a man. His name is William Seymour. And maybe some of you are familiar with William Seymour. He is the gentleman that God chose to launch the Azusa Street Revival. The Azusa Street Revival is still to this day one of the greatest revivals that has hit America. As a matter of fact, the church you're standing in today, the congregation you're standing in today, I guarantee you if you traced it back, it would have started here. The Pentecostal movement started with this gentleman here who was the son of slaves. He was blind in one eye because he caught smallpox as a kid, but he had the call of God on his life. And here's what he says. He says, Pentecostal power, when you sum it up, is it's just more of God's love. If it does not bring more love, it is counterfeit. One of the greatest moves of God happened and then it ended. And the way it ended is people start throwing stones. They start throwing stones. And what a sad thing when we start stoning one another. and wonder why the glory lifts and moves on. Kabod means the glory. Ichabod means the glory has departed. 
Here's what we need to do this morning. We learn from Stephen's life. I need to be able to look at my brother and my sister, and I need to be able to do this. I need to stop throwing stones at people. I need to stop throwing stones at people. We love to do it. He says, look up. I see glory. In your time of trouble like Stephen, I want to challenge you to look up. The Israelites did this. They were looking for the glory of God. Notice that in Stephen's toughest time, the glory was there. He was being stoned and the glory was there. In your tough time, I've got good news for you, Grace Valley. The glory is there. Oh, you don't believe me? All right. The Israelites, I got to help you out here. The Israelites, they, they run to the edge of the sea. How do we get out of here? They start looking for the glory. The wind starts blowing. The Red Sea parts. Abraham, he's about to sacrifice his son. He doesn't want to do it. He starts looking for the glory. He sees a ram in the bush. The adulterous woman who's about to be stoned herself. Believe me, she's looking for the glory. And Jesus shows up and starts writing in the sand. I'm coming to tell you that in your toughest moments, the glory is there. That Jesus is there. Look up, he said. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He tried to get them to see what he saw. He said, look, this man is still preaching while they're stoning him. They're hitting him. Pop, pop. Hey, look, I, I see the glory of God. He's still preaching. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. All throughout Scripture, God was telling us to look like Stephen was telling us. Look, the stars are prophesying that the Messiah has been born. Look, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Look, he's walking on the water and he's actually headed our way. Oh, hey, hey wait a minute. Go and look again. You're going to see the cloud the size of a man's hand and it's, it's going to bring rain. Look, an innocent man is being crucified on the cross. Look, the tomb is empty. He has risen. Look, he's ascending to the Father and headed to heaven. Look, he's coming back on a white horse and he's coming back in victory. Keep looking church keep looking keep on looking it says that he sees Jesus and that he is standing now why is this important I want to read a couple of scriptures to you so you catch why this is important in Mark chapter 16 verse 19 it says this so, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God it says that Jesus sat at the right hand of God. In Hebrew chapter 10, verse 12, it says, But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He's sitting again. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, it says, Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. In other words, in every one of these scriptures, Jesus is always... So why in this... What about this passage of Scripture? 
he's over here he's but over here he's the power of this is simply this that this young man Stephen there's something so impressive in the eyes of God that Jesus stands I want you to see this the word stands in Hebrew it is the word histomy and it means to cause to stand this word in this passage of scripture it is histomy and it means to cause to stand it means that he was sitting and something caused him to rise what great faith is this that this young man Stephen would cause the king of kings to stand out of his seat and say, wait a minute, look at this faith right here. How about you? Have your children ever made you rise, ever made you stand? What about that piano recital where you're sure they weren't going to make it through, but they made it through? What about that football game where you knew they were going to drop that pass, but they caught that pass? What about that basketball game where you just knew, oh boy, they're going to miss that free throw, but they made that free throw. What about that time they stood up and displayed great character and great courage, and you were nervous that they might bend, but they didn't bend. They stood up, and they remember who you raised them to be. What about that time they stood up in front of the crowd, and you know people don't like crowds. They would rather die than stand in front of people, science, uh, scientists say. But your child stood up that day with their chest out and they didn't just sing that song. Pastor, they sang that song. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that there are moments in our lives where our faith will cause Jesus to stand and begin to applaud. And there are moments in your life, I want you to know, that there are moments in your life that he will stand and he will applaud you. Scripture tells us that when one sinner turns his life to Christ that all of heaven celebrates, I believe that's a moment that Jesus stands. When you take out the Goliaths of your generation, I believe that's a moment that Jesus stands. When you fight for your family, when everything is saying give up, let it go, I believe that's a moment when Jesus stands. When you stand on the word of God, when everything is saying He's not going to keep his word, but you keep on standing anyway. I believe that's a moment when Jesus stands. I'm a firm believer in giving Jesus a good leg workout. Put him, put him on the squat machine. Give him a good workout. Because you're not going to bend. You are not going to break. Stephen, he's being stoned. And the process of stoning is simply this. They don't just grab any rocks. They don't just grab any stone. They grab stones because it's a meticulous process. They grab stones that will not kill you quickly because they want you to suffer. And the Bible tells us that they begin to take off their robes as they begin to throw their stones. And why take off your robes to throw it? Who cares if you do that? I, I would like to believe that at times in our lives, people take off their robes, and we have all had moments in our life where people have thrown stones at us. See, when you're being stoned, anybody has the opportunity to throw this at you. Your family members get a chance to throw because you have brought disgrace to the family. 
Your children get an opportunity to throw because you have brought disgrace to the family. Your co-workers, your neighbors, people you don't even know. And some of you know exactly what that feels like. They drug him out of the city because that's the place where you go to crucify and stone. They drug him out of the city. Some of you have been maybe not drug out of the city, but had your name drugged through the city and drugged through the mud. And it didn't even have to be truth. It could have been a lie because people typically don't need truth to throw stones. They don't look for a lie to throw it and then hide their hands. Take off their robes before they throw, so to speak. Why? Because if I throw something at you and the blood splatters back on me, later on that day when I'm doing what I'm not supposed to be doing, the blood I see might remind me that I was no better than you and I shouldn't have thrown the stone. Maybe I should have said, you know what? I too need a Savior. History says this, that at times when they would stone people, they would dig holes. Not always, but in some countries, they would dig a five-foot hole. They would sit you in that hole, and then they would fill that hole back up with, with dirt. For men, they would fill it up to their waist. For women, they would fill it up to their chest. And if you could dig your way out while they were stoning you, then you would survive, and they would allow you to live because it must have been God that you survived. But I believe I'm talking to some people in this room today. Yeah, you know exactly what it feels like to be buried in a five-foot hole, people throwing stones at you justly or unjustly, and you trying to dig your way out, and you just ain't dug your way out quick enough, and the stones are coming quicker, that you can dig your way out of the mess that you have found yourself in. I want you to know that Jesus is a great grave robber. I want you to know that he can dig you out of the situation that you're in. You die when it comes to stoning from blunt trauma. Pastor Kelly, come. You die when it comes to stoning from blunt trauma. Everyone in this room has suffered from blunt trauma at some point in your life. Oh, there have been people who have all waited. Just think about your life. There's somebody now waiting. Trauma comes in two forms. It's acute trauma, simply meaning that it happened once. You remember that one time that thing happened to you? You're 50, 60, 70 years old now but you still remember the impact of the break. You remember that one statement so-and-so made to you? You still feel the impact of the break. It was just an acute episode one time. But when it comes to people you love, here's the truth. Sometimes all it takes is them one time to say something that can crush your spirit.
I'm 50 years old, and what I realize is this, that after a few bricks come through the mirror of your life or the window of your life, you spend a lot of time just trying to clean up the glass. And, 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 and it's amazing how far glass flies. It breaks here, and you'll be sweeping up glass over here two weeks later, 10 years later, 50 years later. How did this glass get over here? Went through the window of your life. Went through the mirror of your soul. And then you find yourself grabbing shattered pieces of a mirror, trying to get the biggest piece so you can at least try to see who you are. The pieces are so broken, you just find the biggest piece you can to try to get a view of who you are. Some of us spend our lifetime trying to put the broken pieces back together. And then there's chronic trauma. It happens over and 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 people just keep throwing people just keep throwing and people just keep throwing and then they wonder why you don't trust anybody but they don't know how many stones have hit your soul you know what you're looking for you're looking for one person who's willing to say I didn't come anything at you today I came that you might have life and life more abundantly I came to put the mirror back together I came to fix the window I came to heal your soul here's how I want to wrap this up and that day as they're standing there and they're stoning Stephen and Jesus is standing saying, look at my boy. He is the first of many. Peter would later die upside down because he says, I'm not worthy. I'd rather die like Stephen. Paul would later die, walk into Rome and be, and, and, and be beheaded for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Theologians say, why? He remembered what happened. Stephen, he said, that's the type of faith I want. I will lay my life down. They're laying their coats there. The Bible says they're laying them at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. And if you haven't figured it out yet this morning in this sermon, Saul is the gentleman we now know as Paul in the New Testament. He gives his life to Christ, but he remembers this moment. And scripture lets us know he's standing there in that moment. And all it says is in a young man named Saul. He was there. And he becomes the gentleman who writes the majority of the New Testament later. 
Here's what I want us to do. Let's stand to our feet before we close this place out this morning. Before we leave this place, I want to open up this altar. Because maybe like me, yeah, even your pastoral staff, in our lives there are times people have thrown stones, and I'm not talking in my adulthood, but yes, even in our adulthood. But there are times and places in your life where you're still just cleaning up the mess of stones that were thrown even in your youth. And you believe the lie, I did two sticks and stones would break my bones, the words would never hurt me. It's not true. They hurt. Every head bowed in this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, Brian Pruitt, I need God to heal the places where I've been stoned in my life unjustly. I need God to heal the areas in my life where, yeah, you know what? I did do that but they're still throwing stones and I just need to know that God has forgiven me. I, I'm tired of living under the guilt and the shame of that. If that's you, raise your hand in this place this morning. Praise God. If you're here this morning, you say, Brian, I don't even know Jesus. I don't know about, nothing about rocks and stones, but I would love Jesus Christ to come into my heart. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this place this morning? I want to pray for you right now. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we come, we pray for every hand that is raised in this place. And God, I pray for healing in every heart in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for those who are trying to still clean up the glass of our lives, Lord Jesus Christ, still looking in broken images to describe and find out who we are, Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why we turn to your word, which is just a mirror of who we are, Lord God. And in that mirror, we see ourselves, and we will not turn our head. We will look, we will watch, we will see, we will be healed. God, I pray for every ill-spoken word that's been spoken over men and women of God in this place. Stones too heavy to remove. Some of them have landed in your life and you can't even move, you can't even move it. Too heavy for you to move. God is sending in the excavators today. Because here's what I want you to hear right now. Look at me. We can keep throwing stones or we can, lay a, we can lay a stone in Zion. The Bible refers to him as the chief corner stone. And he is your key. Come on. He is your key. These stones break, the chief corner stone builds. Repeat after me, and particularly if you want to know Christ in this place, Lord God. I ask that you come into my heart. I believe that you rose again. I confess my sins and I confess that I need a Savior. Be my Savior. I give my life to you and I give myself away. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song before we close today.
here I am. Use me. Here I am. Take my life. Here I am. I lay my life down before you. How many of you here today are willing to give your life and say yes to all that he has? I encourage you right now to step out from where you are. Find a place at this altar and declare it to the
Christian called Live Dead. They are those who choose to live this life dead already. As we see from Stephen, the greatest thing that we could ever do is to give him our life. Did you know that the greatest freedom is found when we give our life away to today? Let's celebrate freedom that is only found we say yes to Jesus Christ all across this room. Would you join me? And would you lift your hands to heaven right now? And can we together just say thank you to the Lord for the freedom that we have been found because we said yes, he made a way. He invited us in. He found us. It's not because of something that we did. It's because of something that Christ did. He laid his life down for you and I. So today, God, we stand here and we say again, yes, Lord, yes, you can have my heart. Yes, you have my life. Yes, you have my home, my family, everything that I am. Today, I say, yes, Lord. And Lord, we lay it down before you. And we say thank you for the freedom that you have given us. Thank you for the freedom and the hope that you have spoken into existence in our lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty and awesome name. And everybody here in the house said, let's give the Lord praise together. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today, as you go, would you find a number of people? Would you say hello to them before you just slip out? Would you take a moment and connect with someone around you? Listen, if you're here for the first time, be sure to take your guest information right to the information center. We'd love to say hello and welcome to you. Be blessed. Have an awesome 4th of July tomorrow and a great